Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Oh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know. Murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! Welcome to Gritty Movies Presents Darkness in the Film Industry. This is a 20-part series detailing certain acts and behaviors of particular actors, film producers, directors, and other socials within the film industry. This is not for the faint of heart. This 20-part series will detail certain events and circumstances in relation to child abuse, conspiracies, general abuse, and even murder. Please listen at your own discretion. Thank you, and enjoy the episode. Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of what will be known as the Film Spark Podcast. This is still under the gruesome twosome name due to the fact that I don't know when Jess will be able to return to be the second half of the gruesome twosome. We've decided that we're going to make a sister podcast, which is the Film Spark Podcast, where I can do all the solo stuff, keep the podcast running, but not have to worry about that gruesome twosome name and having the two of us involved all the time. Um, so moving forward, uh, Today's episode, which is the continuation of the Darkness in the Film Industry series, will actually, all of them for the remainder of the series will now be under this podcast name. Um, The YouTube stuff will be under this podcast name. And anything I do solo or with a one-off guest will be under this podcast name until Jess comes back. It was too hard and too difficult to be able to make sure that we were doing something we both enjoyed because Jess just, she, she can't, Jess physically can't sit there and, and listen to the podcast and make sure that my ideas and that our, our ideas are cohesive. Um, Jess's first and main priority is and always will be her health as it should be. She needs to focus on that right now and not worry about the podcast. So to help ease with that and transition into me being solo for a little while, because it is unforeseen as to how long this will be, the podcast will be under the Film Spark podcast. This also means that we'll be covering, or I'll be covering, anything film related. This is not just horror, this is not just thriller, this is absolutely anything I want um, under film, to do with film. Um including if you haven't seen the the previous episode was actually a ranking video on YouTube. Um, I'm hoping to actually get that audio out as its own episode for the podcast so you guys can listen if you don't want to watch, but um, anything like that will be under this, the Film Spark podcast moving forward. In saying that, if you guys have any ideas of what you want to hear, what you want to see, 
absolutely shoot me a DM. Um, everything will be ran under the Grew2Movies accounts until advised otherwise. This may stay, this may change, we don't know yet. Um, for the time being, everything is through Grew2Movies on all platforms. So if you want to reach out, please do DM, message, whatever you need to do. Um, moving forward. So with that being said, let's move on to episode five of the darkness in the film industry. I'd also like to apologize if you can hear some sort of wind or fan in the background. I live in Australia, if you can't tell, and it is fucking warm. (laughs) It's been really muggy and gross for far too long. I've recorded nearly everything without a fan on and today I cannot do it. It's way too warm in my office. So let's get to it and welcome to episode 5 of the 20 part series Darkness in the Film Industry where I, your host Ebony, will deep dive and discuss particular actions and behaviours of those within the film industry. This includes details on events and circumstances in relation to child abuse, conspiracies and even murder. Before we get into episode 5, Roman Polanski, I'd just like to say that during this series I will not be discussing Army Hammer or Harvey Weinstein. I believe both of these figures have been discussed in detail recently, but I would not be adding anything new to the discussion. Now with that being said, let's get started. Episode 5, Roman Polanski, The Beginning. Raymond Roman Thierry Polanski is a French-Polish film director, producer, screenwriter and actor. He is the recipient of numerous accolades including an Academy Award, two British Academy Film Awards, nine Caesar Awards, two Golden Globe Awards as well as the Golden Bear and a Palme d'Or. His Polish-Jewish parents moved the family from his birthplace in Paris back to Krakow in 1937. Two years later the invasion of Poland by Nazi Germany started World War II and the family found themselves trapped in Krakow ghetto. After his mother and father were taken in raids Polanski spent his formative years in foster homes surviving the Holocaust by adopting a false identity and concealing his Jewish heritage. Polanski's first feature-length film Knife in the Water was made in Poland and was nominated for the United States Academy Award for Best Foreign Film Language. After living in France for a few years, he moved to the United Kingdom where he directed his first three English language feature-length films, Repulsion, Cul-de-Sac and The Fearless Vampire Killers. In 1968, he moved to the United States and cemented his status in the film industry by directing the horror film Rosemary's Baby. Which is fantastic. If you guys are listening to this and haven't seen that, go fucking watch it. (laughs) Polanski's life changed in 1969 when his pregnant wife, actress Sharon Tate, and four friends were murdered by members of the Manson family. He made Macbeth in 71 in England and Chinatown in 74 back in Hollywood. In 1977, Polanski was arrested and charged with drugging and raping a 13-year-old girl. Polanski's fascination with cinema began very early when he was around age 4 or 5. He recalls this period in an interview. Even as a child, I always loved cinema and was thrilled when my parents would take me before the war. Then when we were put into the ghetto in Krakow and there was no cinema but the Germans often showed newsreels to the people outside the ghetto on a screen in the marketplace and there was one corner where you could see the screen through the barbed wire. I remember watching the fascination although all they were showing was the German army and German tanks with occasional anti-Jewish slogans inserted on the cards. After the war he watched films either at school or at a local cinema using whatever pocket money he had. Polanski writes, most of this went on to the movies, 
but movie seats were dirt cheap, so a little went a long way. I lapped up every kind of film. As time went on, movies became more than an escape into entertainment, as he explained. Movies were becoming an absolute obsession with me. I was enthralled by everything connected with the cinema. Not just the movies themselves, but the aura that surrounded them. A lot of the luminous rectangle on the screen, the sight of the beam slicing through the darkness from the projection booth, the miraculous synchronisation of sound and vision, even the dusty smell of the tip-up seats. More than anything else though, I was fascinated by the actual mechanics of the process. He was influenced by Sir Carol Reed's Odd Man Out from 1947. I still consider it as one of his best movies I've ever seen and a film which made me want to pursue this career more than anything else. I always dreamt of doing things of this sort or of that style. To a certain extent, I must say that I somehow perpetuate the ideas of that movies in what I do. The Allegations and Accusations In 1977, Polanski was arrested and charged with drugging and raping a 13-year-old girl. As a result of a plea bargain, he pleaded guilty to the lesser offence of unlawful sex with a minor. In 1978, after learning that the judge planned to reject his plea deal and impose a prison term, instead of probation, he fled to Paris. A number of other women have later accused Polanski of raping them when they were teenagers. An Interpol red notice was issued for his arrest and he rarely leaves France. On 11th of March 1977, three years after making Chinatown, Polanski was arrested at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel for the sexual assault of 13-year-old Samantha Gailey. Gailey had modelled for Polanski during a Vogue photo shoot the previous day around the swimming pool at the Belair home of Jack Nicholson. Polanski was indicted on six accounts of criminal behaviour including rape. At his arraignment he pleaded not guilty to all charges. Many executives in Hollywood came to his defence. Gailey's attorney arranged a plea bargain in which five of the six charges would be dismissed and Polanski accepted. As a result of the plea bargain, Polanski pleaded guilty to the charge of an unlawful sexual intercourse with a minor and was ordered to undergo 90 days of psychiatric evaluation at California Institution for Men at Chino. Upon release from prison after 42 days, Polanski agreed to the plea bargain his penalty to be time served, the time he had already served in jail, along with probation. However, he learned afterward that the judge, Lawrence J. Rittenband, had told some friends that he was going to disregard the plea bargain and sentence Polanski to 50 years in prison. I'll see this man never gets out of jail, he told Polanski's friend, screenwriter Howard E. Koch. Gailey's attorney confirmed the judge changed his mind after he met the judge in his chambers. He was going to sentence Polanski rather than time served to 50 years. What the judge did was outrageous. We had agreed to a plea bargain and the judge had approved it. Polanski was told by his attorney that the judge could no longer be trusted and that the judge's representations were worthless. Polanski decided not to appear at his sentencing. He told his friend, producer Dino De Laurentiis, I've made up my mind. I'm getting out of here. On the 31st of January 1978, the day before sentencing, Polanski left the country on a flight to London where he had a home. One day later, he left for France. As a French citizen, he has been protected from the extradition and has lived mostly in France since then. Since he fled the United States before final sentencing, the charges are still pending. In 1988, Gailey sued Polanski. Among other things, the suit alleged sexual assault, false imprisonment, seduction of a minor, and sorry, intentional infliction of emotional distress. In 93, Polanski agreed to settle with his victim. In August 96, Polanski still owed her $604,416. Court filings confirmed that the settlement was completed by 97, 
via a confidential financial arrangement. The victim, now married and going by the name Samantha Geimer, stated in a 2003 interview with Larry King that the police and media had been slow at the time of the assault to believe her account, which she attributed to social climate of the era in 2008, she stated. I don't wish for him to be held to further punishment or consequences. On 26th of September 2009, Polanski was arrested while in Switzerland at the request of United States authorities. The arrest brought renewed attention to the case and stirred controversy, particularly in the United States and Europe. Polanski was defended by many prominent individuals, including Hollywood celebrities, European artists and politicians, who called for his release. American public opinion was reported to run against him and polls in France and Poland showed that strong majorities favoured his extradition to the United States. Polanski was jailed near Zurich for two months, then put under house arrest at his home in Gestad while awaiting the results of his extradition appeals. On the 12th of July 2010, the Swiss rejected the United States' request to declare Polanski a free man and released him from custody. An Interpol red notice was issued in 1978 after he fled the United States, limiting his movements to France, Switzerland and Poland. His name is no longer found on Interpol's wanted list. During a television interview on the 10th of March in 2011, Geimer blamed the media, reporters, the court and the judge for having caused way more damage to me and my family than anything Roman Polanski has ever done, and opined that the judge was using her and Polanski for the media exposure. In January 2014, newly uncovered emails from 2008 by a Los Angeles County Superior Court judge, Larry P. Fedler, indicated that if Polanski returned to the United States for a hearing, the conduct of the judge who had originally presided over the case, Lawrence A. Rittenband, might require that Polanski be freed. These emails were related to a 2008 documentary film by Marina Zinovich. In late October 2014, Polanski was questioned by prosecutors in Krakow. On 30th of October 2015, Polish judge Dariusz Mazur denied a request by the United States to extradite Polanski, a Jill French-Polish citizen, for a full trial, claiming that it would be obviously unlawful. The Krakow prosecutor's office declined to challenge the court's ruling, agreeing that Polanski had served his punishment and did not need to face a US court again. Poland's National Justice Ministry took up the appeal, arguing that sexual abuse of minors should be prosecuted regardless of the suspect's accomplishments or the length of time since the suspected crime took place. In a December 2016 decision, the Supreme Court of Poland dismissed the government's appeal, holding that the Prosecutor General had failed to prove misconduct or flagrant legal error on the part of the lower court. Preparations for an officer and a spy had been stalled by the extradition request. On the 3rd of May 2018, Polanski was removed from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences with a decision referencing the case. Polanski has blamed Harvey Weinstein for the renewed focus on his sexual abuse case in the 2000s and claimed that Weinstein tried to brand him a child rapist to stop him from winning an Oscar in 2003. Erased Polanski's guilty plea would not be an appropriate result and that he still had other legal options. In September 2011, the documentary film Roman Polanski, a film memoir, had its world premiere in Zurich, Switzerland. During an interview in the film, he offers his apology to Geimer. She is a double victim, my victim and a victim of the press. On this occasion, he collected the Lifetime Achievement Award he was to have received at the time of his arrest two years earlier. And that is it for Roman Polanski. Bit of a messy one if I do say so myself. It's interesting. I'd be really interested to hear what you guys think of all of this. Um, do you think it was fair? Do you think he should have, you know, retrialed? Like, where where do you guys stand on all this? Because me? I don't know. 
I don't know. Part of me goes, well, you know, he, he should have just gone to jail and had the 50 years. But then you look at it now where Samantha is like, well, you know what? I feel like I've done, I've had more of a wrongdoing by the media than I have him. So do you respect her wishes and, and just leave it? Do you, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one. It's definitely an interesting one. With that being said, that brings us to the end of the episode. I hope you guys are enjoying this. It does seem going by a few numbers that you guys do actually like this series and and find it a bit interesting. I've had some feedback from some guys as well. So I'm happy that you guys are listening. Um, As I said at the start of the episode, A, I'm sorry for the fan. (laughs) And B, this will be under the FilmSpark podcast brand, which is a sub-brand of Groo Movies, or a sister pod if you like. But keep an eye out for these episodes. Episode 6 is next with Tom Sizemore, so keep an eye out, and you'll hear from me in the future. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.